welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast, episode 91, Minority Report, from 2002. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times when we dip into other genres, because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back, I am your host as always, Hugh Lloyd, and we are talking... Steven Spielberg's Minority Report from 2002. I'm really excited to talk about this one. We've got an awesome co-host for this one. Before we go any further, let's check out the trailer. six years there's nothing wrong with the system it is perfect i agree Run! tell me exactly what it is you're looking for flaws you ever get any false positives he set me up he set me up who's the victim i've never heard of him but I'm supposed to kill him in less than 36 hours. No sudden moves, Chief. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by the one, the only. He has been known as the Franco Beresi of the Michael Sobel Sports Centre Fiverside Court. The one, the only, Mr. Leighton Winston. How the devil are you, sir? I've, I'm a midfielder. I've never been a defender. <laughs> and don't don't compare me to one of the greatest players of all time, who. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Come on. Those silky skills. <laughs> yeah, oh. of course I. I wish, mate. I you, wish you could tell I've been up really early and had a lot of coffee. Plus, prior to our, <laughs> our conversation before recording, <laughs> yeah, the, the twenty minutes before the oh my god, it's a good job I oh never click god. record. Okay, oh, dear, dear, dear. Ah, so our tricks, my friend. Really good, mate. Yourself. Yeah, Yourself. yeah. It's all right. Back in lockdown. Um. Yeah, covered in covered in snow. Definitely can't go anywhere. Yeah. Can't can't go to the pub. You know, when, yeah. on a snow day, can't yeah. do anything. No, no. I feel cheated. I gotta be honest with this. You know, good snow day is what us teachers dream of. And <laughs> and it's a week. It's a weekend. And it's as a week. Well. <laughs> no, it only is a lockdown. It's a weekend as well. So you know, just somebody up there is just rubbing it in, just rubbing it in, getting out of that. Enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> now oh. we are talking today um about um i think it's fair to call this one a sci-fi classic no i i would agree with that i would agree with that um it's 
It's remarkable looking back, um, you know, having rewatched, as you must do when you talk about films. Yes. Um, <laughs> having rewatched it, as I said to you, Doff, off Mike just now, twice now in a fortnight. And it is a terrific, terrific film. Um, give the people the numbers, who? Okay, so we, of course, are talking Minority Report. Now, the one thing as well that absolutely blew my mind when I was looking back, this came out 2002. Yeah. 2002. And Spielberg released another film in 2002. He did indeed. And that was Catch Me If You Can. Yep. Which is another no. great chase film. Oh, it's been tremendous. Tremendous. Spielberg has, has had a bit of a knack of doing this, hasn't he? The two films in, in one year. Yeah. You know, and... <laughs> we all know the other other one but if you don't it's Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and now we've got Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can two you know films one is relatively light and breezy with dinosaurs eating people and the other one is you know Schindler's List yes like I said one, that family got... friendly film that gets played every Christmas <laughs> but you know uh, Minority Report is dark brooding sci-fi and then catch me if you can. This light, airy romp of a film. Yeah, you know, both released in the same year, which is crazy beans, really, if you think about it. And I think, in terms of star leading men, I think Cruz and DiCaprio are at the heart. And Hanks. And Hanks, actually. Yeah. I think what's interesting about Hanks in Catch Me If You Can is how understated he is. Yes. How understated yes. his performance is in that. Yes. And just I... how fantastic the lead, the central performances are in both of these films. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, mean, definitely. this is, you know, Minority Report is, of course, what we're looking at here today. Uh, came out 2002, directed by Steven Spielberg, based off the um, Philip K. Dick uh, short story, which, strangely, never read. Good God. I know. You joined... You've joined my club. I have joined your club, yeah. I think, to be honest with you, as much as I like um, Do Androids Dream of Electronic Sheep, the subsequent sort of pouring of my brain out of its year, um, I, haven't had, I haven't had the intestinal fortitude to go back and, and tackle a <laughs> Philip K. Dick since. Um, <laughs> the screenplay was based by, uh, was written by uh, Scott Frank and John Cohen. Um, this is, you know, it's got a great cast. Tom Cruise um, plays John Anderton. Uh, you've got Colin Farrell as Danny Witter. You've got Samantha Morton as Agatha. You've got Max von Sydow as um, Lamar Burgess. There's Steve Harris as Jed. Um, Neil McDonough. Um, I, he's just a great I love, actor. He's a I great think actor. he's a brilliant actor. He's a superb he's actor. You've got the heavy of all heavies in this film, in the former character actor, uh, Patrick, uh, Kid Patrick, um, who is the, um, I mean, he's popped up in everything from like Last Man Standing. Um, you know, he, he essentially plays significant villains. Um, he was in Death Warrant. Um, he plays Officer Knott in Minority Report. Um, he's got a very, very distinct face. He looks like a boxer. He just looks mean. He just looks consistently mean. Um, he's absolutely superb. Um, but 
when we look at Minority Report and you look at this film, this is pretty much a one-man show. Yeah, and famously, it's the first collaboration between Cruz and Spielberg, isn't yes. it? Because yeah. they'd wanted to work together for years, and famously, Rain Man was going to be directed by Spielberg. Mm. And he passed on it ultimately and recommended um, Barry Levinson directed yeah. it, I yeah, think, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's Barry Levinson, yeah. And it went on to have huge success, Oscar success as well. Um, Cruz is fantastic in Green Man. He's, like you said, with Hanks and DiCaprio, he's understated in Green Man. You know, because Dustin Hoffman obviously has the, the extremely, yeah. I wouldn't say extra showy part because that's that's almost dismissive. But I'm not being dismissive. Dustin Hoffman is fantastic in that film, yeah. and Cruz is fantastic in Rain Man. And it was, I think, it was a lot of people thought that it might have been Cruz's Oscar year then for um, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I I think now Cruz. Cruise tends to go now for Mission Impossible films and, you know, films where his charisma sort of carries him along. But there was that period where films Cruise was doing and very much had Oscar attached to them, didn't oh, they? Oh, God, yeah. And I mean, he, I think the problem, I think that the issue with the people have with Tom Cruise is he is, and I think he's probably one of the very few mega stars that are left. And yes. he, and you know, as a as a megastar, he gives out a tremendous amount of wattage in terms of people Absolutely. want to know what's going on in his personal life. And yes. you know, he does have some interesting quirks. And... Let me let me just let me just interject there now. Just after this was the I think it was two or three years after this was the infamous Oprah appearance, wasn't it? Yeah. With the jumping up and down, right? Yeah. Yeah, on the set, do you right? <clears throat> but sort of since that, in the last twelve years or whatever, the safe give it a ballpark. Figure, his personal life, you don't hear anything about his personal no. life. Whereas no. previously, it was scrutinised and you know dissected, and this was said and that was said. Now you don't hear about it. all you hear about is Tom Cruise, the actor, yeah, and the producer. And you know, famously, there's there's that been that clip circulated um, on set of the latest Mission Impossible film. Yeah, Brant, and quite frankly, ranting at and staff saying, "Well, at the end of the day, we're all here to make this film. Yeah, I'm the producer. I've got to make sure that everybody's in the same thing. So if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, and he's the producer. You, you know, know he's what? got the sway. But you think about and like some of the things that he he talked about in that is you know. They are the benchmark. These big, big Hollywood films. The amount of money, the amount of, you know, at at this moment in time, the current model for releasing, for cinema itself, is in total flux from where we are. And it's going to be films like Bond, the new Bond, you know, if we ever get to see it. Yeah. um, The, you know... The Mission Impossible franchise, because it is mega bucks. We're talking yeah. mega bucks here. It's these big benchmark films yeah. that 
will, you know, hopefully save cinema, which I know now, people have talked about, like the actual model and the and, and grassroots film and indie filming and all those kind of things. Rightly so. But we need these big marquee moments in the cinema to save yeah. film as a cinematic yeah. piece. I would say as well that everybody thought, obviously we recorded early 2020, yeah. 2020 yeah. Every, when... Things were getting shifted, things getting moved, and Tenet was coming out, and everybody was going, Tenet is going to be the one that's going to save cinema. Yeah. Now, in fairness, Tenet made 300 million, I think it was worldwide, compared to it would probably have made near a seven, 800. Yeah, I think so easily. Right? However, it made 300. And some, you know, if, if you're looking at it from some quarters, some people are going, oh, that's a box office failure, and it hasn't done what it intended. Similarly, Wonder Woman was sort of pitched as being um, a box office failure yeah. for that yeah. very, very brief period as well. Now, I personally think neither of those films should have had those attached to them. No. Because as it stands... Using your term, influx, everything, everything in the world is influx. Yeah. So to sort of say, right, this is going to be, this is going to be like Black Widow is going to be the one to do it. Bond is going to be the one to do it. Dune is going to be the one to do it, you know. Yeah. But you add into the equation then of the HBO Max announcement that came out. Yeah. And all of those films are going to be instantly on a TV box in America the same time as it's supposed to be coming out in the cinema. Yeah. It's like... um. Bon, uh, sorry, uh, Godzilla versus Kong is coming yeah. out in six weeks' time. There's been no trailer. I try think a trailer's coming out today. Yeah. But like, there's been no trailers. There's been no stills. You know, this is like people are pushing. They're try, trying to get these out now to try yeah. and boost the numbers. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's it's so weird. But going back to Tenet, I've seen it. Do you know what? I have... Oh, for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag a little bit here. For Christmas... My mammy in law spoke me rotten and bought me a brand new HD projector. Right. So I have been saving it so that, we, that get, so we get the projector all set up. And we right. we, we had a pilot uh, we had a pilot uh, screen the other night of Lost Boys on the projector. Oh my god! I just fell in love with Lost Boys all over again to the point where I'm even considering considering a mullet. <laughs> are you not? Are you going to go back and listen to the episode we did about it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, te- te- I watched Tenet um, on my admittedly very nice forty-nine-inch TV. Yeah. And I didn't have a Scooby-Doo what was going on. Sort of got the idea. Sort of got the concept. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. The direction is amazing. But being clever to sake of being clever doesn't make you clever. Oh, I'm fucked then, and I. <laughs> <laughs> See, I almost kept. I almost kept a straight face. <laughs> uh, and Wonder Woman is really disappointed as well. So, do you know what I? I'm all superheroed out. I'm, I'm all I'm, superheroed I'm out. I'm I'm not. I'll admit I'm not. But 
I loved the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was terrific. But the second one, I, when I was watching it, I thought, yeah. oh, this is quite enjoyable. Yeah, and it is yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. But when the film stopped, I thought, hang on a minute. What about this? What about this? Yeah. And if you're questioning things like that in a superhero movie, yeah, yeah, you're not doing the right thing. No, no, no. So, anyway, let's go back to minority. Yeah, report, yeah, yeah. Tom I mean, Cruise. Tom Cruise. Super. Right. What did I text you last night, too, about oh, Tom Cruise? Oh, top five Tom Cruise films. Top five Tom, Tom Cruise films. You give me your top five. Right. These are, right, they may not be, like, my... In terms of, like, films and what have you that Tom Cruise has done, they may not be the great... You know, I think people may have very, very <coughs> differing opinions. However, for me, these are the best performances Cruise has given on screen, Right. And these are my top five, and I'll I, I will justify if needs be, right? Number five is Magnolia. Number five. Number five is Magnolia, right? Yeah, hear me out. Hear me out. He is incredible in Magnolia. It is a it is you know it it it's a, it steals the film, and it shows that this man can really. To say that you can really act is 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 is, dis, is is dismissive. That performance is absolutely stunning. It is it's it's stunning, but you can still see a little bit of the of the cruise charm there. Oh yes, right. Um, born on the fourth of July is my fourth, and that's I think I think that is a powerhouse performance. Fabulous. Fabulous film, and he is incredible in that film. He is brilliant. And what we get to brilliant. see there is he is able to disappear within to a character. Yes, he disappears within to that character, right? You, 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 you don't think him as Tom Cruise. You actually think him as Ron Kovac. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, but I think the reason why that's not sort of slightly higher up, I do think at times, I think. Could have just pulled back just a, just a little, just just a little, little, little. And that's being hypercritical now, but just a little bit, just just a little, um, because it gets a little bit grandstandy at some points. But it is a stunning performance, right? Number three. Number three is interview with a vampire. Ah, oh, no. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> is this when you when no, you went no. through your new romantic phase and started dressing? No, like no, 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 no. I. Love interview with a vampire, right? Yeah. I was having a discussion with my sister when we were out for a socially distant walk two days ago. Was that the we one where just... you sent me the picture? Yes, that wasn't was a walk. That was like the Baton Death March. Dude. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you the full story about that off it. But anyway, <laughs> um, we were just riffing and chatting as we do, and something came up. We were chatting films, and I said. Um, Something oh I came up but um the shallow shallow grave uh, yeah. Danny Boyle yeah and I said I happened to say to my sister I said do you know what I said I, I saw three films within a very short period of each other um when I, when I saw Shallow Grave I saw Interview with the Vampire Shallow Grave and Leon and my sister like oh three good ones but they and yeah. I was like yeah they were tremendous the very same night Friday night just gone. Put the TV on, scrolling through. Half eleven Friday night, into the vampire was on BBC One. It's a fabulous film. 
it's fabulous. It's tremendous. I'm kind of disappointed they never. I think the sequel was always in the in the in the mention, you know, yeah. possibilities. Yeah. But I don't I don't think Neil Jordan wanted to go through the Hollywood system again. No. If I'm on, if if, no. if things are correct, Pitt and Cruz didn't exactly Blend. get on. <laughs> no. I I think that's not uncommon knowledge. Perhaps with age, you know, they, they probably might have mellowed slightly. Um. I don't. I th- it was the initial rejection of Cruz as Lestat. Yeah, you know, to, to, and everybody remembers famously Anne Rice taking a page. Yeah, out in the LA Times or something, denouncing it, and then when she saw the film, she did it again and went, "Actually, no, he's brilliant." Yeah. Um, I've read the book. I've actually read the book. Hey. The um, and it, in the book, it reads Lestat reads more Brad Pitt than Tom Cruise, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but having said that, he is fantastic in the Vampire. And bear in mind, he's only in half the film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, do you know what I love about that performance is just how evil he is. Claudia, you've been a very, very naughty girl. When he's on the, <laughs> yeah, when he's on the celeste, yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. And he actually learned that, that piece to brilliant that's he's brilliant and brilliant. he is just and he is an absolute predator yes he is a predator 100%. of the highest order in that yes yes right here we go tropic thunder <laughs> what's his name lester um, <laughs> oh, um i can't think of his bloody character name lester lester oh it's oh, all it's, i want to say is weinstein but that... no, 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 don't say that. No, don't say that. Do not, do not say that. Because, of course, that's right. not, it's not based on anyone. Uh, Grossman. Lester, Les- is Lester it? Grossman. Yeah, Lester Grossman. Um, and he... Les Grossman. Les, Les Grossman. Grossman, yeah, Les Grossman. He disappears into this, into this creature... And yeah, he is it's... just repulsive. <laughs> now, would you ever, in terms of like Tom Cruise performances, say Tom Cruise and repulsive? <laughs> no, I said uh, he, he is brilliant. He is brilliant. I got to be honest. Last time I watched Tropic Thunder, I had a good old chortle. I thought it, it, it's it's a very funny film. It's oh. a very funny film. It is hugely problematic uh, in regards to certain subjects that oh, it absolutely. approaches. Of course it is. But it's it's extremely funny. It really, really is. So yeah. give me your number one then. What's your number one? So I can get ready to smash. And this is gonna this is gonna shock people now. Bearing in mind this is the undead Wookiee fortnightly ish horror and sci fi podcast. My number one Tom Cruise film, Jerry Maguire. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think in that performance, he is so vulnerable. He is so fallible. He is a desperate, desperately sad man who has to go through almost losing everything and it's all there 
and it is just and people automatically they go to the show me the money scene and everything there are moments in this film where it is just heartbreaking it's tom cruise being imperfect yes that's never happened to that extent as he does in that film no. I, 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 I would agree with that, because I remember reading an interview with Cameron Crowe, who makes a cameo in Minority Report, yeah, as the guy reading the newspaper on the mm. train. Um, Cameron Crowe um, had a bit, of, a bit of a job trying to sell Jerry Maguire, um, and then he got Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise loved it. When they were filming the You Had Me at Hello scene. Yeah. Right? He said we we did it, and he said when I when I when I said cut, and I looked at the crew, my cameraman and everybody, and he said everybody was in tears, floods and he said and he said you're talking hardened film crews who've worked, you know with, you name it they've done it and all the rest, and every single one of them had buckled and were crying their eyes out, and he said that is when I knew. We, it was working. Yeah. And he said it was down to Tom Cruise, Renny Zellweger, and the supporting cast. And he said it just sang. Yes. Yeah. Everything worked. You know, and yeah, he, he's sensational, Jerry Maguire. And Jerry Maguire is an absolutely sensational film. Absolutely sensational. It's not my favorite Cameron Crowe film. No. And this, and this is the thing. I think some of these films, maybe not, may, maybe my favorite films. But his performance in them, yeah, they did. Is, sens- is sensational. I mean, you know, you go, you you look at that. You've got him. He's a vampire. He's a Vietnam vet. He's a narcissist. He is a disgusting, vile creature who may or may not be based on a real person. He, you know, and then yeah. he is a human being. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, they, they they are not far off. What I would say. Personally, because I, I I actually wrote down ten because I couldn't <laughs> say I couldn't even number them. Who Magnolia and Jerry Maguire are probably vying for the top spot. Yeah, personally for me, I put down um, Edge of Tomorrow as well because he's yeah. fantastic in Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You the know? sequel do as well. Oh, there's been a sequel do since the third, first film was released. Yeah. That could be the film set in space, potentially, because Doug Lyman directed the first one, and yeah. he's the one who's being tapped up to do all the filming in space. So it could be, might be, we'll yeah. see. Fantastic. They've got to get um, Emily Blunt involved. They've got to have her bouncing yeah. off him, because yeah. that's massive, and that yeah. film is amazing. It is amazing. Um, what didn't you mention? He's brilliant in The Outsiders. He's part of an ensemble. Yeah. Have you? There's a brilliant photo of the outsiders where they're all together, right? Yes, yes, I know what you're on about. Yeah, is that the one when they're all bursting around laughing and he's just the one still in character, tough not, guy, and all that? Not quite. Well, I think it's the same photo, it might be the same photo actually. But, um, look at Patrick Swayze, right? He stood on bricks. <laughs> I'll have a look at that. He, he stood on bricks to make him look because Rob Lowe talked about uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, there's a brilliant interview with Joe Rogan and Rob Lowe, um, and he talks about Patrick Swayze in that. 
and he says about Patrick Swayze he is the most intense person he has ever met. And he would like <sighs> knock on his door and give him uh, demos of him singing to listen to. <laughs> and he wanted um, Rob Lowe to use She's Like the Wind in Young Blood. <sighs> and Rob Lowe was like, I got, it's a hockey film. I can't put like. And he said, little did I know, but he made millions off it. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dirty Dancing is a film I could destroy. I'd fed up of arguing people over that film. What, you mean, what do you mean? That there's, are you trying to say that there's something wrong with a, a potentially a story about a sexual predator um, committing, committing statutory rape, rape, but we're all dancing! Yay! No, the fundamental of it is dog shit. It's a terrible <laughs> film. All I see it's now terrible. with Dirty Dancing is the Family Guy riff on it. Where it's got hungry eyes and Patrick Swayze's character is in prison and the guy is hugging him and licking his ear. <laughs> wrong. Very wrong. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> um, what was another one I wanted to point out? A uh, few good men. He's tremendous in a few good men, and yeah. you know he's having a good old go at the scenery along with Jack. In fairness to him, yeah, and, Jack is gnarling away there, isn't he? <laughs> he's having a good old go, and there's a few heavy hitters in that film. Let's be honest, you know Keith Sutherland, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is tremendous in it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Pollack is great. Demi Moore is great as well. In fairness, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Rob Reiner. We're going to have to talk about Rob Reiner, man. We're going to have to talk about Rob Reiner. Yeah. I think he's the most underrated, or one of the most underrated directors yeah. of all time. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Um, what else was I going to say? I was going to mention Mission Impossible Fallout, simply because Ethan Hunt, you know, so many films there now, six is there yeah. or something. Yeah. It's all based around him. Yeah. And his mega wattage, because that's what he... he you know, he, he, he allude, uh, he, he, what's the word? Exudes. Exudes, sorry. It's all about him, isn't it? You yeah. know, and he's fully committed. That rant proves he's fully committed because he's a producer on it. And anybody who's prepared to break their ankle on camera and leave it in the film, yeah, he's a dude in my eyes. Add to which, Fallout is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing action film. Amazing. So, Minority Report. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're talking yeah, about we're talking Minority Report, yeah? <laughs> um, come on, what do you like about this film? What do I like about it? Um, Rewatching it, this, the, the two occasions now that I have recently, I found myself comparing Minority Report to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Interesting. Inasmuch that the opening sequence to this film, mm. yes, it is exposition, but you've got to be told this exposition because if you don't get this part of the story explained to you, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> but it is done in such a way because you have this intense action sequence, will they, won't they catch the killer in time? Yeah. Or, sorry, the pre-murderer in time. You've got so much kinetic energy on going. 
I know, and they get there at the very last second by the time it is, and everything has been explained to you as is happening. Yeah. And you've been introduced to the precog system, and you've been introduced to Tom Cruise conducting his inquiry in front of that screen. Yeah. Because that's what he is ultimately, he's a conductor, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. And they have the classical music playing at the same time yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it's no coincidence. None of this is coincidental. And you know, the build up of that 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 action and the tension and mm. the, and you know, the frenet frenetic is a word I would just use to describe this film. Yeah. And and as as the film goes on, its pacing is extremely similar to Raiders. Frenetic action sequence, talky quiet bit, frenetic yeah, action yeah, sequence. Yeah. On the run, on the lamb, on the chase. Yeah. Got to get to what I'm after. And that's why it reminded me of Raiders, not story-wise, but in the rhythm of, well, of it. Spielberg, very much like Hitchcock, knows when how not to exhaust your audience. Yes. Hitchcock always talks about needing to, when you have tension, needing to release the tension at some point. Because mm. otherwise, the there's no payoff, and it's, the talky yeah. bits here give the audience that moment to go, <sighs> yeah, and yeah. then we're off again. And, yeah, and that is why rhythmically I find it similar to readers. I wouldn't respect. disagree with that. Yeah. Um, also, you, I'm glad you bring bring up Hitchcock because the I'll jump ahead just slightly, but I think it's pertinent. The sequence with the spiders. Yeah. The overhead shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very Brian De Palma. Very Brian De Palma would pinch all of his ideas from (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. I mean, mean, to go another step further is Hitchcock is famous for the use of the MacGuffin. Right? Yes. Now, the MacGuffin usually is something, it's like a diamond or a yes, briefcase. Yes. It's something that has absolutely, and then turns out to be absolutely non-consequential for the film in any way, shape or form. Yes. Spielberg takes the MacGuffin and flips it completely on its head in this film. Because the MacGuffin here is, we've got the file in the brain. Yes. And then you get the... Um, you know, it's that idea of that murder and that, that little file, and then we go, oh, no, that's not it. But actually, it turns out to be totally crucial to the whole thing, and then we're yeah. back to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and... Albeit that in in this... The, the, it's not the MacGuffin as such, really, is it? I, I would say, perhaps... The pre, you know, you've got to get the, the precog, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it is. It is the MacGuffin because if you think about, and if you go this from like a narrative, like if you look at it from the narrative point of view, right? So if you go from like, um, so if you look at say, like, I'm gonna get really, I'll kick my own ass for saying this later, okay? So if you look at like, like narrative theory, so you have got the equilibrium, so the normal before, right? And then we get the disturbance within the narrative, right? So you get the narrative, you get the disturbance, and then you've got... So you get the equilibrium, the disruption, you get the recognition of the disruption, and then you get the attempt to repair the disruption, and then you get the new equilibrium, 
right? So you get the new big, so that so the, so the film resolves itself, right? Which right. which you come the new resolution as well or the new equilibrium. I'll come to that later on, right? Because that's really important for this film, right? Because this is and this is one of the things that only sort of watching it second time you go, this is really really clever, really really clever because all of this sort of this technique is hidden in amongst this fabulous chase action adventure science fiction film so the disruption begins when that what we think is an echo appears that echo obviously is the minority report which is then yeah, yeah. which is then the MacGuffin, which then yeah. sets us onto the path of yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I i was i was thinking of like the MacGuffin in the um the physical sense then, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, of yeah. what's in Mission Impossible 3, funny enough. Yeah. The rabbit's foot, they call it. Yeah, they, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not really, it's there in the background. Yeah. That we're using as a story device, that it's not actually the story. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in this, it's much more front and centre. Yeah. But that's the thing, it's the subvert, but that's the way you get like the subversion of that idea of the MacGuffin, yeah. which Hitchcock never really did. Right, right. I'm glad, that scene with the echo... That is an amazing jump scare as well. Oh yeah, it still got me. It still it's... got me. <laughs> Honestly, it's when I watched it yesterday, and I was like, you know, going along with it, and I sort of got in close to there, and when she grabs him out of the water, I was like, Jesus, you know, it's I like s- the head, it was almost like the head coming up to the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw you know this. Come in. I know. I saw this in the UCI in Swansea. I think it had become the Odeon at this point. Um, and I remember sitting there, and that jump scare, and from the cr- somewhere echoed through in the bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant jump scare. Yeah. So, like, Saman- go on. Yeah. No, I was, I was going to say Samantha Morton. I was going to go around to Samantha Morton, and uh, oh, she's amazing role. in this. No, not an no, easy no, at all. Bear in mind that. For 80% of it, she's submerged in water. And the rest of the time, she's being carried around, isn't she, in fairness? <laughs> but um, no, she's she's, she's fantastic. And she, I think why she's so good is because she's got that, not sadness, but that she's got a bit of a glare about her that suggests yeah. I might not be here. She's sort of almost otherworldly. Almost, yeah. In some, yeah. She's quite alien-like. Yeah, well, and I think especially when they're in the water and they're in those suits and yeah. everything is lit. We'll come back onto the lighting. <laughs> everything is lit the way that it is, and you know, and the 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 the, the, the close-ups to her, and you know, she she lets herself relax under the water. Yeah, and she is she's otherworldly, despite you know having these incredible immense power. Yeah, you know. Um, she's she is she's engaging and she's and she's so fragile at the same time as well. Yeah, oh, she, absolutely, you know? absolutely. And you know, as much as he wants to, you know, resolve what ha- why he's going to be killing somebody he doesn't know. Yeah, he's a protector of her as well. Oh yeah, and you know, you think about it. The sequence in the shopping mall when she's saying, 
balloons stop yeah stay here um you know the woman walks past he knows don't go back yeah him, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it, it sort of it's it's it really does highlight a, a great acting ability isn't it oh, of course isn't it, is. it and you know we all know her qualities as an actor you know she's she's fantastic but but that vulnerability but whilst being weak by being meek i suppose you know yeah. And, and and you know she she hasn't got energy and she's physically she's not fit, but you know she's always trying to help others despite yeah. herself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a, that's a great quality in the film. And a great quality. There's this like sort of like other. She's almost like this child. She's like the, like a, this the childlikeness. There's a there's yes. an innocent, there's a total total innocence yes. to her, and yeah. you know that's and I think. At the heart of this film is very dark. It's incredibly dark when you think that they've taken these, these essentially three heroin babies. Yes, they've then heroin, heroin. Sorry, let me get it right, heroin. Um, they, and they've in, in, enslaved them. They've put them in a tank. Yeah, yeah, and it's it it's despite everything being bright shiny future apple store yeah in parts yeah <clears throat> it's not it's not clean it's grubby it's yeah well one of my notes actually and... is you get this this bleached utopia yes and then when you get no. to the sprawl yes it yeah. is it's it's yeah. dark and dirty and yeah yeah it is, it is i would say Given now this film is nearly twenty years old, yeah, the CGI looks still looks very very impressive in parts. Yeah, there's yeah. one or two parts, there's one or two parts that don't work. I don't think the cars. No, I don't think it ever worked really, for me personally. It's a bit um, shonky. It, it, yeah, it looks it does look good, you know, but now we can no, see the joints. Much so. Yes, yes, and. The drug dealer's eyes, I don't know what they were trying to do with that sequence. <laughs> yes, he has no eyes, but why we were trying to look like that he has nope. cavern upon cavern within his eyes. It, it didn't work, doesn't work. Yep. But um, I think that was just to sort of highlight nastiness and grubbiness and, yep. you know, the perils of drug dealing, shall we say. Yes. But, um, it, it, and it is, it, it is a very dark film. Given, given though, the lighting setups in this film, and I think the cinematography is amazing. Oh, I mean, in this film, I really do. Janos uh, Kaminsky uh, is just Janos, like, and he's he's Spielberg's go-to since guy, Has been for number for years, for years, years and years now, right? As you said, since '93. The bleached out look. They must have had lighting coming from everywhere, and nowhere more is that highlighted. In Max von Sydow's office. Yeah, yeah. Right. They must have had light sources coming from the ceiling, from the floor, from the walls. Yeah, I mean it's, the it's, the the bleached out look um, was done in post, and essentially what it was, and I got the note for you somewhere, is it was all done in post. Now Janos Kaminski's lighting, he always gets a bit of grief for his lighting, because his lighting is. It, it, he doesn't sort of 
have the like the, the he doesn't go for realistic lighting he's almost like it's almost like he's a painter and he creates the and it, it he sort of he creates like atmosphere not reality with his lighting and like that bleached out look that that the film has at times and then you get like you get that sterile like you said apple store feel to everything and then you yeah, get the yeah, darkness yeah. and then at the end we get the warm we get yeah. the warm light in it's yeah. very very it, it's almost but the bleached one was done in um is done in post um and it's essentially because spielberg still shoots on film yeah um but whilst whilst the film it does need that look it, it does need that bleached out washed out yeah dystopia you know it needs all of that <laughs> the only thing is is that this film is set 30 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and as much as these films, and I always look back to say Back to the Future 2 when yeah. they were trying to predict, <laughs> you know, 2015, what would it look like? Well, we know what, we're not anywhere near what, what some, and at least we forget Spielberg goes to the greatest minds and asks, what do you think we will have in at X this point? Yeah. 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 And, you know, <laughs> It's, it, Spielberg loves technology. Yes, loves technology, loves how film develops and you know filmmaking techniques and special effects and you know he's a pioneer in that regard, and you know he loves to know the future well, holds. The three D printer but, 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 at the beginning, the, the camera. Yeah, oh, no, the three D uh, printer that creates the balls with the oh, names yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got one of them. Yeah. I go, you know, there's one of them in DT now. <laughs> you know, and the 3D camera yeah. sent, yeah. you know, and all the rest. It, the only thing is that, you know, the advertising, some of those logos haven't changed. Um, yeah. Despite being in the future, Gap still looks like a Gap. <laughs> <laughs> ben, ben and Jerry still looks like Ben and Jerry. But used, I, this is one of the crit- criticisms that people labelled at this film when it came out. They talked about um, the, the blatant... <coughs> product placement well actually the blatant product placement in this is that idea of the media of things being so intrusive that actually now you cannot escape the media it is everywhere and if you think about like all the stuff with the eyes and those kind of things mm. and now we've got elon musk suggesting i've gonna we're gonna create a chip to put in your brain I thought Bill Gates had started that already. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, you, if you listen to some conspiracy theorists, <laughs> you fucking penises. Do you know the best one? I, there was a comedian, I can't remember his name, said about his uncle saying about um, he's never, he's never going to get, he's never going to get, take an, get a vaccine because the government are going to put a microchip in it to know where you are at all times. And he responded... You've worked in the same factory for 30 years. You've drunk in the same pub for 30 years. If the fuzz want to come and pick you up, they haven't got far to go. That's right, though, isn't it? It's right. It's right. It's, and it's, it's it's really quite disheartening when you, you know, you read and hear people who you, whose work, be it film, music, yeah, you know, comedians... Coming out saying, well, there's a, there's a couple of classic examples at the moment. Yes. There's, um, there's a certain Irish singer 
who'd recorded a song with a certain slow hand guitarist <laughs> objecting to lockdown and, you know, how were they protesting against it? Mm. And a lead singer of a Mancunian legendary group. Well, his Twitter is is <laughs> utterly depressing, you know. Yeah. Anyway, before we go to, before we fall flat on our face on that one, um the idea of like this media where they're walking through the ching 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 and their eyes and the adverts are popping up and everything else, it's that sort of total intrusion, isn't it? And and yeah. if you think about like us with our phones. Yeah. Or, you know, or the fact we've got Alexa in the room now. Yeah. Um how, how many how many times do you go on to a film website or you go on to a news website and you've got you're not even noticing, but you've got adverts there in yeah, the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's there. It's there. It's all there. And one of my notes, funny enough, is, um, you know, the, the big interface screen. Yeah. That yeah. Tom, you know, orchestrates from. Uh, that is almost like a precursor to modern technology. Oh, yeah. You know, you think you think like. Um, um, like the like a, the Xbox Connect. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the PlayStation similar. Yeah. Um, you're zooming in on your on your phone, on your iPad, on your, on your touch, yeah. on your iPad. You know, all of this is being done 18 years ago, where those things were probably a kernel of an idea. Yeah, somebody somewhere was probably looking, going, "Oh, we could do this, we could do that." You know, and it, it, not that it's in, it's directly responsible for what we're using right now. Yeah, but the thing is, it's probably influenced. Enough because Absolutely. enough people would have seen this that this film at that time. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm probably going. Oh well, we could we could do that, couldn't we? You know, realistically. Yeah, and I mean, like you said about Spielberg consulting with like you know the, the futurists, uh, you know the, the top futurists. You know, it's these this you know when we when we look at things that are that are are about to come. Like you go back to like you said, Back to the Future Two. Um, yeah. yeah. That was that was just the most obvious thing I could think yeah, of. Yeah, but it's true. But it's it's so true though. And even you know, in films like Blade Runner, where we go back and we look at that, and we look at sort of there are so many things in that, we go, oh wow, you know, it's it does go to show the power of this film. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that science fiction isn't quite so. It, yeah, it's still enough science fiction to be like, oh, but you look at the cars. You look at the cars mm-hmm. in this. You know, we've now got self-driving cars. We do. It's, it's we all do. you know. It is all there. Um, we do. You know, I just uh, be very interesting to see what uh, <laughs> what comes next. What comes next? Yeah. What comes next? Yeah. Now, um, go on. No, pray continue. No, um, a couple of couple of people, other people, we should talk about. Colin Farrell. Yes. Now, I am a no. bit of a Colin Farrell apologist. Because I think he gets a lot of shit for unfairly. I think he's a, a very, very good actor. Mm. Like a lot of people, he's been in some utter dog shit. Yes. He did go through a phase where the world revolved around him. <laughs> and, he, and, and it did, it did in fairness, you know. Um, however, he is a very good actor. There oh. is no doubt in it. And he is very good in this. Very, yes. very good. And we should have done the spoiler alert. 
right to the very beginning, where we never do. <laughs> the moment he's the, the the discussion that he has with Lamar Burgess, Max Max wants to do, yeah, is so reminiscent of Jack Vincennes. Oh God, yeah, and Dudley in L.A. Confidential, yeah, the Rollo Tomasi reveal, yeah, it's. It's practically beat for beat. I mean, it's 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 a noir trope, isn't it? It is it, yes, it is that classic is. noir and trope. This is this is it. This is a noir. Yeah, I, of course you know, it is. It, right, and if you're going to riff on what on, on arguably probably the greatest noir film of the last twenty five years, yeah. easily, yeah, easily. You know, I I always say the same thing. Any Confidential is top three films of all time for me personally. It's a brilliant it's, film. And it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Stunning to look at. Stunning. And what beat it at the Oscars, who? Oh, it's something ridiculous. Now, why do you always bring up the Oscars? Because I want to hear you say this. You're going to have to tell because my mind's what? gone blank. Come on, what was it? It involved a sinking ship. The Little Mermaid? <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> Why? I think there's two shipwrecks of that. No, of course, it's Titanic. Yes. Yeah. What do you think of Titanic? Oh, fucking. Oh, sink the bastard thing twice. <laughs> I was going to say something about tying a certain director to the fucking bow of it. Oh, no, and no, there's no, no, plenty no, of room on there. There's plenty of room on that plank. <laughs> Pete be like one of your French girls, Jack. What? (laughs) Riddle with syphilis and off your face (laughs) and absinthe. All right. Heavy armpits, heavy legs, if you want. (laughs) Moustache. Honestly, do you know what? Do you know what's ridiculous, right? Um, Is there is a made-for-television version of the Titanic, starring we Catherine, have had, Catherine yes, Zeta-Jones. We've had, we had, we had this conversation. Which is better than the James Cameron one. Oh, I doubt it, too. Because they're both horrifically it. terrible films. <laughs> As I said before, Titanic is half a good film somewhere in there. It's probably an edit oh. you could do to that film and make it much better. Yeah, you just chop it in half and then the boat sinks and then you're all right. <laughs> Just nuked all the dialogue yeah. as well. You know, I went that silly that senile old cow fucking launches that bit of jewellery over the side. I would have been after it. That had to be worth fucking hundreds of thousands. And everybody forgets Bill Paxton's in Titanic. As I know. Well. I know. What's the better than Bill, what's better than the than Titanic is the documentary about uh, when they went down to the Titanic. Um, Cameron and Bill Paxton were part of the expedition. Yes, went down. yes, super. That's on. Um, that's on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's immense. It's immense, immense. <laughs> see, that's what I want to see, James Cameron. <laughs> Not fucking giant. Anyway, Smurfs. Colin Farrell. Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. See what you did. Colin did Farrell. that on purpose, then. <laughs> I did. I did a bit. 
I did. Do <laughs> I did cat. I did cat fishing sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this if he bites. <laughs> <laughs> no, Colin, Colin Farrell is um, he's excellent in this. Yeah. Um, he is excellent in this. Um, One of the things I wrote some down. Of, some of, some of the films he's done after haven't been great, but I mean, if you go back, I think we can at... agree that In Bruce is an all timer. <laughs> um, if you look at Tigerland, though, what you don't like In Bruce? It's all right. It has moments. Oh shut up! It has moments. Yeah, it has moments. I need to watch it again. I am watching yours. I need to watch it again. It's okay. It's he's the best thing in it. He's not the best thing. He is the because. Best Ray Fiennes is amazing in it, and Brendan Gleeson is amazing. They're all amazing in it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I need to watch it again. I need to watch enough it again. The, enough watching of Humanoids of the Deep. And get <gasps> How dare you? Mart, get <laughs> Martha McDonagh's in Bruges on and put Seven Psychopaths on after it. See, I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths. Oh, it's brilliant. It's really good. It's not as good as in Bruges, but it's, it's class. And then put three billboards outside... Ebbing was oh. on after that. Oh. Because that's, that's Martin McDonough again. Yeah. Class. Class. But Tigerland, Colin Farrell, is superb. He's, he's tremendous. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher made Tigerland. Phone booth. Yeah, phone booth. I, do you know what? Booth. I saw phone booth in the Coliseum. And... I, 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 I don't I think love I've it. ever. I've only ever watched it once. It's, I don't think I've seen brilliant it. Brilliant in it. He's absolutely brilliant in it. Superb. Um, Alexander, on the other hand. <laughs> right now, I've never seen Alexander. I've seen both and... cuts. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the, the best part of nine hours of my life. I never because like, I'm a massive Oliver Stone fan, right? <laughs> I love the crazy bastard, right? But it's like what, this ain't getting any better. <laughs> Have you listened to Louis Theroux's podcast with Oliver Stone? It only came out Christmas time, I think. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I've got his. Bi- re- I got his biography. I got Oliver Stone's biography. Well, that that actually comes up because Louis Theroux raves about it, saying how good it is. But it only goes to a certain part in his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's fascinating. You should you should definitely give it a listen. You'll yeah. you'll you'll appreciate it. I also had his uh, I, documentary for Christmas, The Untold History of America, which uh, which I'm due to watch. I think I've seen that. I've got it, but ten discs. So I'm I, I'm gonna. Have I seen that? Or Was there something else I've seen? I have watched so much shit too. <laughs> Everything is sort of st- starting to blur into one. I'm just glad that I that I watched Nightbreed last night and. <sighs> Hadn't seen it in years. Hadn't seen it in it's, years. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's an awful lot of fun. It's not a very good film, but it's an <laughs> awful lot of fun. And, you, and it, it was, it was like, how can I describe? It's like a warm blanket. The only yeah. Because I, I hadn't seen it for so long. Yeah. And it is an awful lot of fun. That's the right yeah. word for it. Right. Let's talk about Minority Report here. Yes. God. God damn it. Yes. Now, in terms of like, you know, we say we can't find it, it's superb in this. One of my favourite scenes in this is like that idea that the murder is like this, it's almost a thing of the past. And yeah. when Tom Cruise puts the gun on Colin Farrell, in the, in the, you, you could see him sort of like smirking, he knows, and then the alarm goes off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sequence, the cheer sequence, oh. is, is, that's Spielberg hitting all cylinders going, isn't it? Oh my god, yeah. 
and none more so, none more so, right? When the fire escape tilts back, yeah. knocks the guy on the head and yeah. sends him down, right? Yeah. Spielberg. And that the is sound effect. Spielberg. Donk. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And there's a few there's moments it... in this film like that. My yes. other favourite bit is with his eyes, where he drops his <laughs> eyes. Aye, aye. Yeah, yeah. That, is, uh, that is class. That is... That's proper screwball comedy, though, isn't it? Oh, it's Looney Tunes. It's Looney Tunes. Absolutely it's, um, Looney Tunes. It's it's amazing. It genuinely is. And um, he, he, um, sorry, mate. I just can see outside the kids are throwing snowballs at each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's 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 it is. It's Looney Tunes, isn't it? You know, like yeah. the eyes on the end of a stalk, isn't it? And Do you know what the other like thing that? I can't wait to see? And I intend to be when when the six sticks appear <laughs> i intend to be sat outside judges new year's eve in aberdeer we're gonna have all need... all colors of the wkd that, rainbow <laughs> you don't need don't need six sticks for that mate, i'm telling you <laughs> no it's uh because that's that's such a good sequence because it goes from at the fire escape through the apartments. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It cooks the burgers. Yes. On the grill, right? And you've got a kid playing the saxophone, is it? Yeah, he's playing. He's, yeah, playing, yeah. he's playing when the Saints go marching in or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then it goes then from there. So it goes from like pre-crime to FBI chase sequence. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't let up. It doesn't no. stop. And the car being built around him. <laughs> To which then, like, he appears completely, like, battered and bruised, just sort of, like, staring through the window and then drives off. Brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. It is. And there are there was a couple of moments during that I was I started to get a little bit nitpicky. For example, there's this over-exaggerated flip where he lands on somebody's yeah. shoulders. Yeah. Right? The car, the car being built, little bit of Attack of the Clones and the Robot Factory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. A, just a hint of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he's driving off into the distance, the door's opening before him magically. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't, don't think, Clayton, don't think like that, you know. <laughs> but um, no, it's, 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 it's Spielberg going, right, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, yeah. then we're going to do this, and finally... Our anti-hero drives off into the, the sunset. Yeah. But you know what's really in interesting brand, about in, this? Right? Brand new Lexus. Yes. You see all, you know, if you think about all the action in this, mm. yes, there's there's punches thrown, there's people being hit. In terms of levels of violence, this isn't a massively violent film. Um, you know, because, I, I, you know, if you think about like some, if this had been like a Born Identity style film, when they had surrounded him, instead of it becoming this sort of almost sort of like Looney Tunes chase, there would have been arms and legs being snapped and people, you know, it would have been, it could have been incredibly brutal. But in Spielberg's it, hands, we get a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, there is there is violence. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, you don't get me wrong. You know, people get people are getting shot and those kind of things. Yeah, but it's yeah. in the right place at the right time for the right effect. Yeah. And yeah. like when Colin Farrell's character gets shot, even though, like hmm. you said, it's you know this scene has been done a million times before, you still go, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the it's 
as I said to you, it's it's the Raiders of the Last Ark thing, isn't yeah. it? It's the it's the mid it's the mid midway section where we've got to get people's attention yeah. back on board now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You well, know, you've caught your breath. Off yeah, we breath. You've had your little bit of a story fed to you now. Yeah. You know, he's got a miss we know he's got a little boy that's missing and has been for X amount of years. But now we've got to go back and find out why he's going to shoot somebody he doesn't know. Yeah. That scene and, that scene where he discovers the photos on the bed is just mind blowing. Because you'd think, how would the reaction Yeah um of that person coming in that room as it's it, I think it's just it's it's it, for me it's one of my favourite scenes in this film. Yeah. Going back though to the the, 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 the flashback to the swimming pool. Yeah. Tom is I think he's over egging it slightly when he's underwater mind, isn't he? You know, uh, I think yeah, okay. <laughs> Or yeah, is it competitive, kid, Dad? We, I don't know. It's, you know, kids swim past the megawatt smile and all the rest. And it's like, oh, I'm acting. I'm acting here. I'm acting. You can see me acting <laughs> here, you know. <laughs> just the, like I say, just little moments every now and again. Sort of um, stop this being from like a 10 out of 10. Yeah, and we'll come. I'll, oh, we're, too, we're getting close now. We're getting we close are. to talking about like that. Now, the eye scene with Peter Stormos. Yes. Is brilliant. It's amazing. It's and is genuinely amazing. disturbing. Yes. The, the 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 snot from the nose. It, it, oh. it all starts from there, doesn't it, right? Yeah. The, the snot from the nose. When she's the attractive when it calls <laughs> the attractive to his... nurse. <laughs> Do you know what he says to her though? Because he speaks to her in Swedish, and the line that he says is, "You get wipe your ass and get the hell in you." That and she doesn't wash her hands. No, and you because you've seen through frosted glass, you could think hey, this is going to be the classic, yeah. oh, sexy nurse time, isn't it? You oh. know. And the reveal is, is, is the mole on her face. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant, and. It's 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 you know the, again the grumpiness and the yes. grottiness, isn't it? You know the milk that's gone off, <laughs> the, the food the green that's gone sandwich. Off. Ah. <laughs> oh, it's grim. It's fantastic. You know, a little present for you as well. <laughs> yes. Oh, put this in your goodie bag. Yeah, yeah. And then you get that sequence ah. with the spiders. Is... Oh, this... What I like about that is, yes, the Brian De Palma overhead shot that you've seen in God knows, well, the first Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Snake Eyes is another famous overhead shot. Um, but that, what I like about this one is every part of life almost is shown in the different Oh, God, rooms, yeah. You? yeah. You've got the, you've got the, the, the family. You've got a couple who will go in full at it. Yeah. You stop to have their eyes checked and go yeah. just go resume their duties, shall we say? <laughs> um, you've got the, dom- the, the domestic couple ongoing. Yeah. You know, yeah. who stops briefly and then goes back to you know slamming each other around the room. The old guy sat in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Now talk about that, an awkward moment. <laughs> uh, but I, oh, and of course, then 
you know, the spiders get in and he's in the bath. Yeah. And and it's just as that one leg is almost out of the room, isn't the, it? That blip. bubble pops. And it just and it just it, it's like a horror show starting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like where they're all coming into the room. Yeah. And they're all jabbing the water, the yeah. electric shocks. Yeah. Brilliant. It's amazing. It's, it's fantastic. And I love the fact that they gave Tom Cruise's character a Japanese identity. <laughs> when, he walk in, <laughs> when he walks into the gap, Mr. Yamasaki. It's yeah. like, uh... Did you did you like your, your, your sweater, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> but this film is full of those little moments. There are yes. those, and I think that's the one thing. Because, like I said, this film at times is very, very dark, very, very yeah. dark. But Spielberg balances it, mm. balances it so well. Um, you know, and like you can get into like the. I think in terms of that, you can get into this film about the idea of free will versus determination. Of you know, and I mean Spielberg even said himself, this is a direct, and you know, our friend on Twitter popped up and said about this being <laughs> a, a direct reaction to nine eleven. Um, yes. you know, the, you know, and a, well, and, the, 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 the sand war of the worlds, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, this idea of at what point are we, you know, how much are we willing to give up of our own, um, our own sort of, our own security, our own, um, privacy, at what, at what cost? Yes, we get great adverts for Ben and Jerry's and The Gap. But if your life was just Ben and Jerry's in the gap, and at any point, if you you know you if you think about you know you could have an excessive dream where you want to kill your boss and suddenly you've got SO nineteen kicking your door down, uh, what's the cost? You know. Yeah, yeah, and it, there is those valid arguments and points to be made, aren't there? You know? Oh yeah, of course there are. But um, this is this is ultimately a popcorn film, isn't it? You know, as dark as it gets, as bleak as it gets. Because if I remember correctly, this film, once critically lauded, wasn't a huge. It was successful, but it wasn't a massive success. No, it made its money back. It, it made a bit more, but it, it wasn't like the outright no smash. No. And and I do think retrospectively, I think people. St- think of this much more i certainly do i loved it the first time i saw it yeah i've enjoyed it even more so now oh yeah um i'm doing a little bit of research into this and finding out that this almost at one point was going to be total recall too they were gonna put quaid instead of tom cruise's character Uh... and then it was sort of no, well, no. It's it's we can't have him going from Mars suddenly to becoming a cop and you know going into pre-crime and all the rest. Yeah, I mean, this made about you know I think worldwide I think it made about three hundred fifty-eight million worldwide mm-hmm. um, on a budget of one hundred and two million. So it made its money back and a little bit more. Um, yeah. But like, I think I think the one thing that people expect every single time with Spielberg is the mega buster. Yes, and I don't know if you're aware, but War of the Worlds was massive success. Yeah, compared to this, yeah, it, it, I think War of the Worlds. I think War of the Worlds for the for the longest time was Tom Cruise's most successful film, and yeah. I think it made 
500 million? Yeah, I think, it's around, million? I think it's around about the 500, 600. It's a great yeah, film. But it, 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 it is good. It is good. Um, it's very, it, I would say that's darker okay. and bleaker than this. Much bleaker. And the scenes Much. with Tim Robbins. Yes. And that, that, that highlight, that, it personifies it all. And especially when you see the actual farming of the humans as well, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's all you, you, you sort of think, oh, well, what were they doing? But when you actually see it, it's like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> but, and that was Tom Cruise's biggest box office success until, I think it might have been going back to Fallout, I think, because mm. Fallout made a billion. And um, what do you think, like Tom Cruise, and, and you like, you know, mega stardom? Yeah. And, you know, every filmmaker, 100 million, you know, when 100 million was the benchmark. Yeah. yeah. Periods that didn't happen for him. He made successful films. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have those out and out blockbusters. No, no. You know, mega busters as you as you coined. Yeah, and you know, and at least we forget as well. War of the Worlds was the last film that he made with Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. I got no doubt. There's been discussion since. You know, but doing this, perhaps doing that. Yeah, but it's just never happened since. So, talking Spielberg could happen. Talking Spielberg. What was the other part of your message? My message? Yeah, oh, so. Top five Spielberg. I can do these in no particular order because I can't. Go on, I, can, I, I cannot say definitively what would be number one. Yeah. Because out of the top four, yeah. each one could possibly arguably be number one. Go on, go for it. Readers. Yeah. Jaws. Yeah. Close Encounters. Yeah. E.T. Yeah. Jurassic. Okay. Do you want to compare? Just before we do, I'd say Schindler's is number six. Right. Last Crusade, seven. Yeah. Minority Report. Catch me if you can. Okay. All right. There or thereabouts. Go. Number five, Duel. Oh, good call. Oh. I always forget. I always forget about Duel. Ah, oh, my God, what a film. It's exhausting. Made, made for TV as well. Made for TV. Just immense. Amazing. Immense. Amazing. Right? Jurassic Park, Paul? Yes. Schindler's List 3? Yes. Raiders, number two? Yes. Jaws, number one. Now, see, Raiders and Jaws. I go back and forth on them. I, 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 this is why I can't say, out of those top four, I can't say definitively which one I love the most. I could argue every day of the week with Raiders. Yeah. Because Raiders is perfect. Cinematic gold. It's cinematic perfect. gold, to use a cliche. Jaws is perfect. Yeah. Close Encounters. Perfect. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm putting E.T. in because E.T. is fantastic. I love E.T. Yeah. I don't like the, the, the re-edited version. Ah. Or re-CGI'd version, sorry. Where they put walkie-talkies instead of guns. I tell you, also, in... there's a brilliant story uh, about D. Wallace with Drew Barrymore. And because there's a great interview with D. Wallace on the King cast. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about Cujo, love, love the love the King cast. Talking to um, 
to Drew Barrymore. <laughs> she says about you know talking to the child actors beforehand, saying, "Look, you know, ET, you know, this our next scene is this is where ET is gonna, you know, it's gonna die, but ET's okay because you know we're only pretending." And Drew Barrymore turns around and says to her, "Oh, D, it's only acting." <laughs> and then D picks her up and takes her in, and then next thing you know, she has like some kind of absolute epi because ET's <laughs> dead. <laughs> oh my god, it is and they had to they had to stop filming. <laughs> uh but yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with your top five. I think Schindler's I think this is gonna sound crazy here. Schindler isn't top five for me simply because it's a film I've only ever seen once. Yeah. I've no desire I have no desire to ever watch it again. Yeah. Simply because that film is utterly remarkable. Yeah, it's harrowing beyond belief. Oh God! Yeah. And it is. It's, 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 it's almost the ultimate horror film, isn't it? Oh, you think about it. Look, you can forget, you know. And I've, I've, I say this all the time. The, you can, you, you, you can take your, your demonic possessions, your axe wielding, hockey mask wearing, William Shatner lookalike in you know indestructible killer and all sorts of evils right nothing will ever compare to the evil and the horror that man does to its does to does to does to each other and if you think 100 and if you think about like for me so like i think the, the top two most horrific films for me or even top three most horrific films for me would be not not like you know forget cannibal holocaust and cannibal ferox and all those kind of things Reversible mm-hmm. is just the Gaspar Noé. Oh God, just unrelenting horror, horror, real horror. Um, Chinder's List, because mm. what people and this is not like in, in in any kind of order, but just that sort of like, oh my God, what are you doing? And the other one is Threads, which is the nuclear attack on uh, Sheffield on Sheffield. Now, most people yeah. would argue nobody tell the difference, but... <laughs> I, was, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. However, that film is... I, I've watched it once, and I just cannot go back to it because... No. no. It's just it's no. just so bleak. And there's no, there's, yeah. there's no light. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no. nothing. No. Now, speaking of light at the end of the tunnel... Yes. The ending to this. Just before we get there, there's two things I Go just want it. to bring Shoot. up. The lady with the pipe. Yes. How David Lynch is that? Yes. Yes. Hugely David Lynch, isn't it? Yeah. Hugely. Hugely. And creepy beyond belief. Yeah. The guy working in the hotel. Yeah. Is Tom Cruise's cousin really William Map Mapatha? Because Tom's real name is Thomas Cruise Mapatha the twelfth or whatever it is. <laughs> and his cousin was in. He's been in quite a bit actually. He was in Lost, the TV show. Do you know what? I got <clears> the <throat> second series and they bailed on Lost. Oh, I pretty much called the end of the Lost halfway through. Do you know what I, I thought? And I, I was like, spoiler alert. I was like, 
if this is like a purgatory where they're in between heaven and hell, yeah, not going to be happy. And the ending was... Do you know what it reminded me of? And I did watch the last episode because, you know, it's an event thing, wasn't it? And it, yeah, yeah, it kind yeah. of reminded me of like when kids are like sitting in mocks and they run out of time on like their creative writing part of their English essay and they go, um, um, and they, and when they, they woke up suddenly and it was all a dream. The end. <laughs> you mean the opening for Dallas season two or three or whatever it was? <laughs> Do you know the, we talking about the end of Dallas and the, what about Dynasty when they wiped out their entire cast at a wedding and then just forgot about it the next season? I wouldn't know, mate. <laughs> Roman- I, I think it. it's like Romanian terrorists came in and gunned everybody down. No and I mean, like, killed everyone. They're all dead. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Anyway, the ending. Right, the ending. Um, are we talking about the actual ending or the reveal at the party? Let's talk at both. I think the re- okay. because actually I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw something out there, right? As a piece of cinema, I think the ending into is 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 you know it is is a great sort of almost Hitchcockian ending with the reveal at the party and things. I think that's a great, great ending, and it, it you know. And then it leads nicely to the warm, fuzzy reunification of the family and everything else and all of those things. And everybody's happy and the colours are nice and warm. And there's this quaint little cottage where the precogs are now, you know, the twins are creepily reading their books at the back. And, you know... Excellent knitwear. Yeah. That is some, that's some fine knitwear. That is some fine knitwear. See, we're men of a certain age who could admire that now, isn't it? So... i got to be honest with you, my love of a good fishing jumper is really, you know... <laughs> we're so cool! <laughs> oh, like my blanket? It's nice. It's nice. nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, they dist- oh, and we're back! <laughs> and we're back. See? So we get that yeah. sort of reunification, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we all know Spielberg, renowned for saccharine endings. Yeah. I think if the film had ended, I don't want to say differently, but perhaps with the tone that it's set throughout the film without having to change it to everything being pink and fluffy, shall we say, at the yeah. end. But kept its tone as people are going to be okay. Yeah. They will recover. Yeah. Relationships will be reignited. Yeah. The precogs will go on. Yeah. Rather than make it all shot through a honey lens, shall we say. Yeah. Perhaps I, I personally think perhaps they should have stuck to the aesthetic that they used throughout, you know, um, and it it just I can't say it spoils it denies it denies me saying that this film is a ten out of ten film. Right, hold that thought. Holding it. What if the end to this film isn't actually the happy ending? Go on. The halo goes on him. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim Blake Nelson's character, who, in terms of cameos, the organ paraplegic playing prison guard. Gideon. Is, I love Tim Blake Nelson. I love, I think he's, and I think he's amazing. And I've loved, you know, my favourite is, is obviously his, oh, brother, where art thou? But. Would you, would you fairly say, though, he's having a bit too much fun in this film? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here's the bit. What's the line? What does he say about the characters in the, when they get the halo put on them and they get put into his, uh, put they get put into the cells? Oh, um, they're, um, they're dreaming constantly, they're aren't dreams, they? All your dreams come true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I right, didn't so, think of it that way. So the halo goes on him. Yeah. You see him going into the prison cell. You get a lingering shot of the head being shaved and mm. the band across there, and he's out. Right? Then we go to... Um, the conversation between his ex-wife and Max von Sydow's character. Mm. How is it, right, that a character like Max von Sydow, who is has orchestrated, right, the the cheating of a precognition system, who has then subsequently been able to manipulate all the characters throughout without ever getting found out how does he make such a cataclysmic slip up and then all of the different everything just falls into place and then everything that Tom Cruise's character his heart's desire everything that he wants comes into play and why would you bring a gun that is um, essentially evidence into the office, along with another character's pair of eyes. You might have thought about this a little bit too much, Hugh. <laughs> I can't take all the credit for this, but there was a moment where I just you know when you just go, ah, because if that isn't if that isn't the case, right? And the ending is the ending. Yeah, that's some really lazy fucking screenwriting. Well, yeah. However, to to counter that, then personally, what I would have considered, shall we say, yeah, if I'm told that you know the world's most successful director of all time is going to say like this is how we're going to end the film, I would have gone, Mr. Spielberg, love your work. <laughs> However, why don't we see the family reignited? The precogs now live in their quiet existence. But this after that, this just have a sideline in it where <laughs> excellent it where, by the way. <laughs> must must tell me who where you got them from. Gap, obviously. Yeah. And um <laughs> and I, I, were they wearing I, cords as well? Probably. There's a part of me probably. that wishes that they hopes that they're wearing I'm gonna have to go back. <laughs> I know they got bad wigs. Um <laughs> Oh, the terrible wigs. Oh. I might have perhaps suggested or written in, not like the end of Inception, when he's got the totem and he spins, spins it, it and it doesn't drop. Yeah. Something akin 
to that, revert back around. Yeah. Or play or have the the organ music play out over the titles ambiguously. Yeah. You know, just to give just to just to sort of, you know, leave that suggestion that all this is happening in it his mind. We haven't said talked about John Williams' score either, which is unbelievably good in this. Yeah. But then it's Johnny Williams and he's yeah. just, you, know, you know Johnny Williams, John Williams. from Pemwinty. <laughs> Mother had a red Randall bread knife. <laughs> oh, and there's somebody in, in Australia going, "What? What? Ben, what? Red Why? What? <laughs> Hip hop legend? What? Is he? Is Leighton Italian? Is he Italian? <laughs> no, as I, I was a guest on another podcast, and I was described as the most Welsh-sounding man on the planet. Oh, Which is man. true, probably. It was really funny because I interviewed uh, Catherine uh, McCarthy uh, for the bonus episode, Welsh author, and she yeah. tweeted, shit, how Welsh do I sound? <laughs> <laughs> and Jay, you put on there, I said, I don't think podcasts come with subtitles. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Very true. Yes. Very true. So come on then, let's do this. Scores and doors. Nine out of ten for me. Yeah, it's a nine. Yes, and uh, nine. Eight and a half. Nine. Eight and a half. Nine. It's after watching. It's. I think if I hadn't watched it again so recently, I would have given it an eight. But watching it again today, uh, it it's, it's it's a nine. It's. I I think it's such a. It's such a huge surprise, and I don't mean I don't mean it like in a, in a oh my god, it's amazing! I forgot. Look at it, I, I, that, but I do mean that. Yeah, it's because it's it's like I, all the things said. It's 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 exciting, it's tense, scary parts of uh, very funny. You know, it it's it's never boring, which no. sci-fi can be. Yeah, and this this is this is this is brainy science isn't it yeah <laughs> to, to, you know it's intelligent it's grown I, it's intelligent science fiction yes yeah which it's, and it allows itself to have fun yes and it does and you know it's classic Spielberg it is classic Spielberg yeah it's definitely top 10 definitely yeah. top 10 it's not quite top five no simply because my our fives they're just something else. They they are yeah. you want you know, those films will be forever competing against each other. Oh my other, god, yeah, absolutely. Which, absolutely. You know, and they will always be competing against the other all timers yeah. because they're that good. Well if you think but you this... know we'll com- you know, people will be comparing those films as the greatest of all time and the arguments will come up of all time. Somebody will say, yeah. What about Citizen Kane? Somebody will say, Well, what about Close Encounters? What about yeah. Raiders? What about, you know, and it'll go on and on and on. You know, you, you, you'll have your, well, what about 12 Angry Men? And you'll just go, yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What about, what about Brief Encounter? You'll go E.T. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and you'll, you'll have readers. You'll have versus humanoids from the deep. Fear. Hey, what's this rumor about a fifth Indiana Jones film? I didn't know there was a fourth. I know. I, I somebody can't count. 
somebody can't count. I don't know. Uh, yeah no this is like this is this is this is top 10 this is top 10 spielberg without a shadow of a doubt it's it's fantastic it's and if you compare it to his other 2000s um science fiction of ai Mm. no i i've only ever seen ai once and i did enjoy parts of it because some of it is is it's breathtaking to look yep. at some of it, but again, a, a, a saccharine ending that sort of undid everything that went before I think it. I just think it's unrelentingly depressing. Yeah, there is that. I remember and it's kind of bo- it's kind of boring. I remember well sitting, you know, I remember being sat in the cinema going, "Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it is." It is very bleak. You know, come very, on, Stephen. Let's, let's have a flying bike. Come on, Stephen. Then... <laughs> what do I get? Like a Jude Law in leather trousers. <laughs> I mean, that could be a bag, but you know. It's funny, isn't it? Because you've got AI, then I think is Minority Report. Yeah. Then Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Then I want to say Munich. Yeah. And then War of the Worlds. Yes. You yeah. know, and... <laughs> It's not exactly a battle. Well, apart from catching me if you can, but it's not a battle of laughs in, in that period, is it? Is no, no. Munich is a, is a stunning film. Munich is sensational, absolutely sensational. Where's Eric Banner, man? Where's, where's Eric Banner these days? That is a really good question. He's he's because he, he went through a period where he was in this and that, and you know he, he's he's a great actor, but he seems to have sort of disappeared almost. You know. Yeah. That's a really good point. Hang on. That could be a, that's a good title for an autobiography, isn't it? Whatever happened to Eric Banner? Well, it's, it makes a change from whatever happened to the Arctic Monkeys, is what yeah, you always used to say. I love that one. See, I still think that's. I can't take any credit for that one, mind you. That's, I, well, no, because they released an EP by the same bloody name. Did they? Yeah, We've had it. this conversation here. We've been doing this for so long now, we're repeating ourselves. <laughs> Leighton, i got to be honest, since the second lockdown, I don't know if it's Monday, Tuesday, or 1993, it's. I'm. <laughs> Oh, I wish it was 93. Oh, yeah. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> so, my friend, <sighs> we've come to the end of another one. We've made it through. Just about. How Teeth got intact. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, my man. Thank you for so much for being on. It is always a pleasure. Take care, brother. And you. Take it easy. Ta-ra, man. As always, I want to say a massive thank you to my brother from another mother, Mr. Willington Winston. Thank you so much, man, for being on. Um, it's always a pleasure. Just it's, it's great talking with you. And it, what a great film. What an awesome film. And up next, we have got only one this week on What the Wookiee Watched. We have got DEFCON 4 from 1985. Let's check out the trailer. The Nemesis, a nuclear weapon space platform designed to protect America. Roger, on my way. It is 22,000 miles over the Earth when World War III explodes. Can't walk. I don't believe it. DEFCON 2. I have solid object alert. All right, look, it's happening, right? 
Jordan. It's happening. All right, then launch, Walker. You're all getting blown away. The launch, we hit War One. Walker, fight! Do it. The Star Wars technology of the future. Comes the reality of today. Defense Condition 4. For three astronauts, the mission that began in space will have its ultimate destiny on Earth. What they will find is unthinkable. Hey! got hold of my hand! Hey, Walker! What finds them is far worse. DEFCON 4. The final defense. Okay, that was the trailer for DEFCON 4. Um, DEFCON 4 is from 1985. Um, it was directed by Paul Donovan and it was also written by Paul Donovan. Uh, it stars Maury Chicane, uh, Leonor Zane, Kate Lynch, Kevin King and John Walsh. And the story behind this one is quite a simple one, really. We have got a uh, an American nuclear platform uh, sort of satellite floating in orbit um, in order to launch a nuclear response at any given time. And unfortunately, it all kicks off and it turns the world into a nuclear wasteland. And after spending several months in space, the, uh, the crew are brought down to Earth under mysterious circumstances to find themselves in a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Um, DEFCON 4 has quite possibly, and, and I've mentioned this in the past, has some of the best VHS cover art ever. It is absolutely superb. The difficulty is <laughs> the film doesn't quite live up to the cover art. Um, that being said, there is a lot to enjoy about this. Um, it is very campy, very silly at times. Um, it's um, very low budget. Um, however, there's a lot of charm about this film and it's got great performances. Um, the, <laughs> the villains are just bizarre. Um, and it's very, very clear that, you know, lots of these, you know, these actors, um, it's their first time out and they're trying to impress um, Maury uh, Chicane, as we, we've mentioned him before, and he has been, uh, I mean, he was in Dancing with Wolves. He's been in a lot of things. He's in this. He's great in this. Um, and he gives off a great creepy vibe. But this is a very, very, very strange film. Um, it's available on uh, Arrow on their online streaming service. And it's obviously you can get one of their great, great DVDs and Blu-rays for this. Um the action scenes in this are not shot uh, in the greatest way. It's quite hard to tell what's going on at times. Um, there's a really cool JCB slash tank in this. That Clearly, that's where all the budget went on to. Um, the film is most interesting when it is on the space station, though. Because here we get that great claustrophobia and the great tension that builds. And I genuinely believe that the film would be much, much stronger if it had stayed on that space station. That being said, it's brilliant to think just how Mad Max it all gets on Earth. 
just after the end of the world. Um, I really enjoyed this. It's campy. It's silly. It's a lot of fun. Um, it got great cover art, like I said. Go check out that VHS cover because it is just amazing. I love it. It's superb. Um, but I would give this one a 5.5 out of 10. So, ladies and gentlemen, our time is drawing to an end. And as always, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who is listening, who has written uh, some, uh, given us some brilliant reviews. Brian Scott on Facebook, thank you so much, my brother. I really appreciate your five-star review. I Honestly, it, I genuinely uh, am touched by it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for everybody who interacts with me on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram, thank you so much. I Honestly, I, it is overwhelming at times, and I genuinely appreciate everything. So thank you so much. So all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there.